am I going to do, quit? That's not an option. You got to keep on keeping on. Life's a garden, dig it. You make it work for you. You never give up, man. That's my philosophy. Welcome back to Legendary Mindset. I'm your host, Jake P. Richardson. So I spent a day or two in Oklahoma this weekend, and on Sunday, I was with my friends Kyler and Tate, and Kyler was like, hey, you know, we got some free time. Let's go over to this, this Larry Shell's house. He lives right down the road. And I was like, sweet, yeah. So we went over there, looked at Larry's bucks, got to look at all his mature ewes, some of the lambs he's raised that year, and, and I'd never met him before. But, you know, pretty quick I figured out, you know, I need to, I need to definitely get this guy on uh, Legendary Mindset. So I talked to him about it. Um, he had some time today on Monday, so I ran over there this morning, uh, got it recorded, and guys, it turned out really good. Um, you know, he has had a hand in a lot of really influential people over the years, and his mindset, you know, is absolutely incredible. Uh, but I hope you enjoy it. Here is Larry Shell. I probably ought to do all that flushing and stuff that I'm... Haven't bought into it yet? I haven't. Yeah. Would you, I mean, for years, you guys probably just bred rams to use? And oh, yeah. Just the old way, you know? Well, when we first started, we had all Suffolks, and they just were better breeders than, as you introduce this hemp and you get more of it, they're historically not quite as mm -hmm. fertile or as consistently fertile as Suffolks, but... Do you think some of that's come from maybe the growing AI industry, like we don't even pay attention to aggressiveness of you know, yeah, bucks, maybe? I, I think you don't know. You just buy semen. Yeah. And you don't know what the quality really is, quite honestly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So you guys... You guys have gotten some used bread. You, you said yesterday you don't really make a whole lot of early stuff, but and you guys have started, right? You haven't, and those have been exposed? Well, we started earlier this year than normal because we've got a little bit more of a market in the, in the north than we've had in the past. And we had some lambs that did pretty good up there and mm -hmm. the arcs are been and around. So we're breeding a few more early. Our main market's been in Texas. Yeah. So. There's a huge industry down there for show animals. Definitely. Definitely. I think it's probably a result of having so many different shows to, to go to. There's one or two or three every week down mm -hmm. there, it seems like. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. And most of those pay pretty well, so yeah, definitely. <laughs> it makes a big difference. I, I think that state definitely takes care of their youth and ag. They do. Very well. well. Very well. So would you grow up here? Yeah, I was born and raised here in Glencoe mm -hmm. and uh, graduated from high school here, went to Oklahoma State. Graduated from Oklahoma State and went to Dora, New Mexico, Dora, New Mexico to be the ag teacher. And I was out there four years, and that's where I got introduced to sheep. I think I told you the other day, I didn't even know sheep pelleted hardly. I'd, mm -hmm. I'd never been around them. So what was your experience in ag before college? I mean, it, it was it was pretty much we showed heifers, mm -hmm. and I did a lot of public speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just, I had a good ag teacher and I wanted to do some of the things that he did. And uh, I really never dreamed that I would uh, get involved in the livestock industry and, and particularly the sheep side of things. Because mm -hmm. uh, just, it just wasn't anything that I knew anything about or cared about mm -hmm. until I ended up in New Mexico. So you started yeah. telling me the New Mexico story yesterday. How'd you get that job or how did that well, start? <laughs> I, there, there was another 
there was, there was a large class that graduated from Oklahoma State mm-hmm. that year, and there was very few jobs open in Oklahoma. So if you wanted a job, you had to go out of state. Mm-hmm. And I decided not to go. I was going to work on my master's degree, and um, there was a job opened up at Dora right at the last minute. And uh, this was like August the 1st, and uh, school started like the 10th or something out there. And so the serpent, superintendent asked me to, to come out there and interview and uh, went out there and thought the interview went really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they asked me a lot of things about, you know, what do you know about showing sheep? And I had to answer nothing. And what do you know about showing swine? And I said, nothing. What do you show about showing steers? I said, nothing. And so when I left out of there, I told my wife, well, we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what happened, but I think I shared with you yesterday that uh, there's an older gentleman that was on the school board that basically made the motion, I'll clean it up a little bit, but, you know, they, he just... You don't have to clean it up. Yeah, yeah well, he, he just recommended we hire hire me because I don't know crap, and we might be able to teach him something. <laughs> and, uh, and they did, and it was a wonderful four years of experience, and while I was there, uh, I think we won the the sheep show at New Mexico State Fair every year mm-hmm. and, and one year, a couple of years, we had the Grand Barrow and that's because those people knew what they were doing. Uh, but what all year of us, was that? You oh, this was there. from 70 to 74. So yeah, you weren't even born then, were Not you? Not even close. <laughs> that's what I thought. Not even close. But yeah, it, it was a great experience. Uh, those people recognized I didn't know anything and mm-hmm. they, they accepted me for that but they taught me a lot of things mm-hmm. and um, about the livestock industry and so all of a sudden when you win a lot of those things whether you know anything or not people think you do mm-hmm. and so i had them fooled for quite a while <laughs> yeah. so where'd you go from there you, you said four years you were in new mexico yeah i was in new mexico four years and uh, then i moved to fairview mm-hmm. oklahoma and was ag teacher in fairview for four years i kind of had a four-year stint uh, after i left fairview i went and became the executive director executive secretary of the oklahoma ffa really uh, a lot of people know kent boggs because he is well i was i used to be i was the kent boggs before kent boggs mm-hmm. for four years and after that uh went to work for oklahoma state university and stayed there for about 20 some years and uh, retired four years ago what was your role at osu well, I started off as a fundraiser, mm-hmm. raising money for the College of Agriculture, and then I moved into the Alumni Association. And then about the last seven years, I was president of the OSU Alumni Association. Okay. So you, you developed your love for sheep in New Mexico. I mean, you got a little bit of taste of winning, and it's kind of hard to not lo- love it after right, that. Right, that's right. So how's your blood. Oh, definitely. So how soon after you came back to Oklahoma did you maybe find a flock of ewes or start Well, I, actually, I started in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of people will know this, but I actually got five ewes that I bought from Jimmy Miller's dad. Okay. They were Dorsets. Mm-hmm. You probably wouldn't think about finding many Dorsets in Texas, but anyway, uh, that's, that's where I got started, and I, I brought them with me uh, when we came and moved to Fairview. And over a period of time, uh, about 1978, when I moved back here, uh, we started getting into the blackface. Mm-hmm. So. so when you were, so you were an ag teacher in Oklahoma for, I think you just said it, but you had some students in there that I, were pretty sheep savvy. I, I, I did. Uh, <clears throat> I moved to Fairview. I had a, an opportunity to go to a couple other places, but when I drove around Fairview, I noticed 
two or three flocks of sheep. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a, a gentleman out there by the name of Kofer that had a lot of hemp's and Elwells that had Shrops and Dorsets. And I thought, hey, this might be where I want to go. And so uh, I, I went there uh, during that period of time, had both of the McGoldens, Chris and Vince, mm-hmm. I, I, as, as students as well as uh, Ritz and Urban. Really? And uh, it, it was, I learned a lot. Uh, Ritson's older brother, Kenny, was really good help in mm-hmm. teaching uh, me some additional things about the sheep industry as well. And so had a lot of good people that uh, taught me a lot. I, I, I'd share with you when I was in, in New Mexico, the older gentleman that uh, taught me what I know, back then we still blocked the whole mm-hmm. sheep. And so I my, my first year, he allowed me to help wash them. That's all, I, I was the ag teacher, <laughs> but all he would let me do was help wash the sheep. And I took some uh, tail chewings because I didn't get all the soap out of them from time to time. Oh and, uh, you know, we still carted them and all those things. And so four years later when I left, uh, I was allowed to card the whole body. So <laughs> it was, uh, it was uh, quite an experience, but it, it really shaped a lot of opportunities for me. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So you said you said he had Ritson there. So mm-hmm. uh, you know everyone knows Ritson's kids just dominated, and, and he was incredibly talented from a feeder standpoint. Mm-hmm. But was he was he pretty after it when he was in high school? Were oh they yeah, pretty... yeah they they were active. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know what all. I, I know we had reserve. He had the reserve grant at Denver. Mm-hmm. I don't recall the year, but uh, he had some pretty good sheep. Kenny was. Uh, was always able at that time to find some pretty good sheep for him. And we were raising some sheep that uh, weren't too bad. We actually had the, uh, we raised the grant. The second year I was at Fairview, we had the uh, grand lamb at uh, Tulsa State Fair mm-hmm. that a young man raised himself. Mm-hmm. So we, we had access to some pretty good livestock for mm-hmm. that particular time. Definitely. So you, you started raising sheep, ended up at OSU. Did you have any, um, you know, you kind of mentioned you had some, some OSU students. I mean, you're not very far from there. I'm sure right. you had some working for you, right? Yeah. So throughout the years, I mean, any of those people still? Oh, know? yeah. I mean, you know, we helped. I think I was sharing the other day. We helped uh, Bill Crutcher and I went out mm-hmm. to uh, to Arizona and and, and kind of actually recruited Dwayne Herleman. Yeah. And uh, got Dwayne back here, and and Dwayne actually lived in Glencoe here for a while, and and uh, I kind of helped watch his sheep while he was going to school from time to time. So uh, he lived in the, the apartment here, right? He, he well, actually, uh, Chad Charmison lived here. Oh, okay. Chad was, uh, I think, had a semester of school left, and I'm not sure what the circumstances was, but he he stayed with us for uh, the I think the last semester of his school year up here, and then of course uh, my son went to OSU and. Clint Cummings and mm-hmm. and uh, Clay Weber were very good friends of his. Clint was actually in my son Kerry's wedding, and Kerry was in Clint's wedding, and uh, just a lot of uh, people that you think back now. I mean, some people who have been fairly successful, uh, whether raising sheep or judging sheep. We've influential been, people. Yeah, they've they've had an influence on mm-hmm. the industry. Yeah. So what were those guys? What were Clay and, and Clint like in college? When they're running around here, well, Clay was a little more laid back than Clint. If anybody knows Clint, Clint, uh, 
he was uh, he, he was always out here, and I think the thing that that struck me was uh, he really liked sheep that I liked, mm-hmm. and uh, they needed to kind of be wedged shape and uh, be wider at the hip, and that he liked he couldn't believe the touch we had in them and and some of those things, but. Uh, they they were they were judging mm-hmm. uh, basically came to OSU to judge and and I think was very successful in doing that uh, but they like to hang out and learn and listen I think they they grasp a lot of things while they were here mm-hmm. yeah. we um, I interviewed Dennis Luce a couple weeks ago and we talked about Clint the year he judged San Antonio for the first time yeah and how he kind of was just like you know we're gonna make these things they have to be built good and their spines have to be right mm-hmm. and he was kind of one of the first people to really put a big emphasis on that and, and how much it changed has he always been kind of just a you know a skeleton guy or is that that come, come out of Oklahoma or? oh I think he was uh, I think he's always been some somewhere in that ballpark mm-hmm. you know people kind of shift from time to time maybe as uh, as we try to adjust what these things look like but mm-hmm. um, I, I think that uh, he, he was always, they needed to move, and they needed to be up front and have, have some touch, and they had to have some measurement. Just a, what I've always called just a very complete sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing that's changed back then is, you know, we were, we were taking sheep a lot thinner. Uh, there were, seems to me, and I don't judge anymore, but um, we're sure taking a lot of cover on some of these sheep and yeah. calling it muscle, in mm-hmm. my old uh, opinion. Mm-hmm. White muscle. White muscle. There you go. So we, we were looking through all your matrices yesterday and kind of just talking about the lineage and, and all the trends that you've kind of seen here recently. But those ewes you've got out there, their great, great, great grandmothers and so on have been here for a mm-hmm. while. Long time. How do you keep those your ewe line relevant, uh, especially in the such, you know, where times are changing so fast? and, and all Well, that. I, while I was working at the university, I really just didn't have time to to get out and, and look and, and try to find the rams that I needed. And so I stayed pretty much in the Suffolk line. And uh, what I found out real quickly was you can still have a good Suffolk sheep that's just incredible handling and got mm. that rock hard touch and measure and upfronted. And no one wanted them if they didn't have enough bone and enough shag. Mm. And so over the last five years since I've retired, we don't have many of those ewes left. Now, a lot of those daughters and granddaughters are there, but we started trying to find some sheep that we could put um, some bone and shag in them and not lose the look and the balance. And I think you handled a few lambs yesterday. You can kind of still see most oh, of those yeah. sheep are, they're wedged in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, that was definitely that, something we talked about. I mean, their yeah. shoulders and racks yep. were, were the, good, the, but their hips were yep. bigger. And Yeah, and when you get behind them, I, I can remember <clears throat> Weldon Johnson one time telling me, if you're going to raise sheep, raise sheep that when they go through the creep feeder, they get hit, they get caught on the hip, mm-hmm. not on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And uh, while that may sound a little odd, if you sometimes today, I think we get a little bit lost as to what's waste in these sheep. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I was always taught that if you draw a line from ba- the base of that shoulder, basically down to that back hock, that upper part's the real value of a mm-hmm. sheep. The rest of it is throwaway. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems to me, uh, just in watching, that um, we may take them a little lower fronted. We may, Yes, I understand they need to be, quote, cracked open and blowed apart and all that stuff. 
But uh, when you draw that imaginary line through there, sometimes it, it seems to me that there, there's more of the sheep in that bottom Mm-hmm. half than there is in the top half and uh, I, I don't understand why why we're doing that yeah. you know but do you think there's any correlation to like being a practical you know <clears throat> sheep you know easy fleshing or, or anything to go along with that body shape we're talking about maybe making them sleeker and their chest fuller and and all that well I think we I think there's a there's a fine line here a, a few years ago we got to talking about how we wanted these sheep real shallow mm-hmm. uh, and round in their chest and I think a lot of people up north just the guys that I know have found out that when you lose that body capacity uh, you can get into some health issues up mm-hmm. north because they're all enclosed and and some of these guys started finding that man lambs were coughing ewes weren't milking good uh, and so I think we. It looks to me that that we we've, we've shifted to to get some use with some capacity and and some milking ability. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I you don't maybe maybe people uh, do this and I'm not aware of it. But I mean, if you doesn't have if 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 you stomps a baby in a in a lambing jug or if she doesn't milk or she won't hardly breed. Or, I mean, I don't care how good she is. I didn't keep them, mm-hmm. and I and maybe people are doing that, but. Sometimes we fall in love with something and, and we don't really look at the, the productivity of, mm-hmm. of that individual. She just is, she looks or he looks exactly like we want them to. Mm-hmm. So. For sure. So back to your youth flock and, and, and making those changes, what were some of those more influential bucks for you? Well, right, right in it, it, it kind of started even before uh, I retired, but um, I don't remember how many years ago I went down to Guy Glasscocks and this was in May, late anyway. I had a little ratty-looking sheep out there that, uh, from his hip forward, was really one I liked. He wasn't great big hipped or butted, and he was kind of thin. And Anyway, I ended up buying him, and uh, sheep worked pretty good, and, and I bred him to six ewes the first year and raised mm-hmm. three stud bucks out of him, and the next oh year... Uh, we kept him for two or three years and uh, never hauled anything off. Most people would know him by the by his name guy wire and uh he he turned out pretty pretty well and then we sold him to Dwayne hurdleman and he did a really good job for Dwayne as yeah, well as a like four-year-old buck Dwayne. yeah how many winners he have out of him that i don't know but a lot tons i think yeah. a bunch of his donors still go back to yeah. him and yeah and most everything we have out here goes back to uh guy wire and a mercantile bred buck uh that we called troubadour that mm-hmm. uh, leon morse owned and that's that's kind of when we got it turned around and started and then uh, we just kind of gradually bought a, a few bucks and uh, they, they've helped us quite a bit uh, we bought a buck off schedules that we called uh, that was a hot carl mm-hmm. uh, son that we called hot wheels that helped us quite a bit and uh, we're just trying to find we, we've used a little of the bullseye stuff mm-hmm. and and you've seen the bonanza sheep that we bought off Droppert's, and he's he's pretty unique yeah, we looked at him yesterday yeah we'll see what he does mm-hmm. i think yeah. that one's out yeah. there i mean we look what we talked yeah. about was you know that thing if you band him and he goes in the ring looking like that he might win a big right show i mean he You're looks right. like an athlete an athlete in that pen he does yeah we hope he breeds that way yeah that'd be, that'd, you know, <laughs> that would be that would be the good thing let's um that. let's jump back to you mentioned the markintel line and i mean we don't really hear a whole lot about those genetics now but i mean there's a lot of really good use right right at that turn where the hamps kind of came in mm-hmm. those markintel sheep were massive and they were furry and 
and there's a lot of a lot of U-flocks that have those old Ben genetics in them. That's right. Yeah, they they uh, there there for a while. Everybody was trying to get a little bit of that bloodline mm-hmm. because not only were they producing good uh, lambs, but uh, the females were really productive. They, mm-hmm. they were they were good producers, and so. Uh, it, when when we threw guy wire on those, mm-hmm. uh, worked really well. Yeah, yeah. So just probably been mostly hamps since that point in it. Yeah, I, I tell you, as we looked at some of these bucks that we bought, uh, uh, the sheep we bought off schedules and others, I still tried to find something that was not hundred percent hamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that had a little bit of Suffolk in them. I, I'm still convinced. I could be wrong, but I'm still convinced that that good touch that we have and that shape that we have and that good hide that we have is because we've kept a little suffolk mm-hmm. in them. Oh, I think you need to. Yeah. For all those reasons. I mean, there was a big blue sheep, you know, kind of cycle through this part of the world, I guess, and, and I still love blue sheep just for mm-hmm. that reason because sure. a lot of them are furry and they, right. have, and they look like hamps, but yep. those things touch good and yep. their hides are good and they're, they're ripped up and all that. Yep. So what was that, what was that like when, when those... When the Suffolk's were, you know, were hot and the blue sheep were, were in, were you guys kind of just riding that wave, I guess? Or? Yeah, we, uh, we, we had, we, things were going pretty well for us at that time. Um, I mean, we won, one time we had the Grand at San Antonio, we won Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some sheep do good at state fairs. Uh, probably the one that most people know is Harold McElrath, and those guys bought 212. Mm-hmm which was uh, there for a while, was a pretty hot commodity for Michael Rass. They sold, and uh, we, we uh, were pretty proud of being able to raise him. But uh, those, those really good ones don't come along every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wished it was that easy, but you know, it it's not. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So we kind of touched on it yesterday. I mean, back to your U flock, just kind of going through the genetic phases of them and where they were and where they are now. But I remember when I first started showing at my county fair, and every single judge would go in there and they'd measure a loin, and they'd measure their you know their rack, they'd measure their hip, mm-hmm. and, and they and they talk about it, and it was a big deal. Right. Where do you think we lost that, or, or I guess for starters, where's the importance that that had? Well, I don't know where we lost it. Here again, uh, for about seven or eight years when I was uh, with the Alumni Association, I did not make a lot of shows, get out, didn't judge as much as I mm-hmm. had in the past. But I, I was always taught, again, that uh, there is some merit and carcass value in a market show. And, and uh, I, I can remember having some really good sheep and getting beat because we didn't measure as long hind saddles, whether that mm-hmm. be loin and hip or combination thereof. And... Um, I sit around and watched, and, and, and sometimes I see people don't even hardly handle them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, 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 I don't know where we've lost that, but mm-hmm. I still think that it's important that we, we do need to get back to some degree to that. I, I, I don't know. Um, I think the thing that kind of blows my mind more than anything, and, and some of the younger guys who have been here that, that I've talked to, you know, basically say, well, you, you know, you, you need, you're, you're a little old fashioned, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm going, yeah, probably am. I, I actually had uh, someone come in here one time and tell me that, you know, he likes our sheep, but they just got, they're just too hard to the touch. I need to soften them up. And, uh, 
you shake your scratch your head uh, at that? <laughs> I, I thought, uh, wow, I'm not going to do that. That's not what I was yeah. taught. And, uh, you know, if you whether, great big kids can show sheep good, but what about those little kids that are pretty good? And if you've got the sheep that's got that touch and that muscle and a little kid can show push. them, you don't have to stick them hard if they've got that real true natural mm-hmm. touch. So we've always tried to maintain that. They don't all have it, of course, but... Uh, it's always been an emphasis that we've tried to keep. I think if touch is something that those animals always have, it just takes so much weight off your shoulders when you get to that show. Because, I mean, it everyone's does. running around, going to the scales, drenching, trying to just make these things handle. And if, they, if, that, if they've got that every single day of their life, oh, man, it's so much easier. Yeah, it, if, if they start with it, uh, obviously it depends on what you do to them. If you pull them too hard or take, take water off of them or something, you can sure lose some of it. But it's pretty hard to, if they don't have it when they're little for them to have it when they're big mm-hmm. uh, to have that really true natural crisp touch to them you mm-hmm. know so for sure so we kind of we, we dropped we talked about Dennis loose a little bit earlier and, yeah and when I was when we're ta- walking around looking at your sheep talking you kind of remind me a little bit of Dennis Dennis yeah we're about the same size you guys <laughs> yeah were you guys pretty good friends or are you still- well I actually uh, this just tells my age Dennis was a student at Floyd when I was the ag teacher at oh, Dora. Yeah. And, of course, I graduated from college uh, just about three and a half years. So I was not, I, I, was, I was pretty young, and Dennis was either a junior or senior, so there's not a whole lot of difference in age. But, boy, at, at that time, Dennis was, uh, he was raising some really good mm-hmm. sheep. He had got in with Mr. Beatty and and uh, not the one in Pennsylvania, but yeah, the but one the old, in New Mexico. Yeah. And uh, Dennis had some really good sheep, and his ag teacher was Ron Stahl, who I graduated with when I took the job at Dora. Ron Stahl took the job at Floyd, so we were kind of out there together. And yeah, it's a real small world, mm-hmm. real small world. But we, um, it was cool talking to him. I mean, he they 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 spanked him in New Mexico for a while. And, uh, yes, they and did. He's a nutritionist. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they, they're yeah. sharp at it. Yes. Did you ever, um, you know? learn anything from from Dennis or cross some ideas with them or well you know other than the fact that uh, he he just worked unbelievably hard Mm -hmm. at it Uh, we were always in kind of competition because we're in the same county Mm -hmm. so he wasn't revealing a whole lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) or yeah and but but you know I know we live in a world then, we live in a world now that everybody thinks, well, they're doing this or doing that. Uh, most people who win are win at home mm-hmm. because they work at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, their kids can show. Uh, I don't know how many of the, I mean, I've judged a lot of major shows and I've constantly thought that, you know, son, if, you'd, if you could just stick that sucker so mm-hmm. I know just how much he really has, mm-hmm. it might help you. And some of them just can't get it done. And mm-hmm. showmanship's a very important part of it. Mm-hmm. I spent some time living with that, that Jackson family mm-hmm. down there in Texas. Yeah, Logan. Yeah, when I was um, in college. And, you know, <clears throat> after that experience, whenever I see people that consistently have big success, I look at them and, and, and know those people work their asses off. That's right. Because, I mean, the time I spent around Joel and Logan, I mean, I've never seen people work that hard in my life. That's right. And it was just nonstop, and, and, it, and it takes a lot to be that consistent, especially in, in all that. But, I mean, it's just a different level of commitment. I, I just don't think that most people grasp that it's an everyday deal. Mm-hmm. Those, those young people like Logan, and we could think of others, 
they work it every day, mm-hmm. and uh, it's important to them, and uh, it just makes a lot of difference. I used to always tell the young people that were showing is that, you know, if you don't work them every day, you're the day behind those people who are, mm-hmm. and uh, that just makes a makes a whole lot of difference. Oh, so. yeah. Especially when you're obsessed. I mean, if you're trying to win national shows, yeah. you have to realize there's 10 other psycho families that want to win it more than That's you do, exactly and you right. have to outwork them. That's right, yeah. And everybody, I mean, those people who have access to quality sheep mm-hmm. realize that there's other good sheep out there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you've got to work. You've got to have them ready. They need to be 12 o'clock. I, I, the old gentleman out in New Mexico told me, he said, you need to figure out the show that you really want to win. Now, it may, may have changed a little bit, but he always told me, he says, they're, the sheep are only at 12 o'clock once. Mm-hmm. Now, they might be pretty good, but they're only at 12 o'clock once. And uh, some of these guys today are good enough, they keep them pretty close to 12 all the time. Oh, sometimes <laughs> it, for a whole year. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. They know what they're doing, and they do a good job of it. No doubt. So from, from doing this podcast, I mean, the early 90s, there was a ton of influence from New Mexico. I mean, not only genetically from the Bursons and, and the Duffies and, and Franklin, mm-hmm. but... So, I mean, you weren't there in the 90s, but but was there any of that when you were there teaching? Any of those guys, or was it different families? Well, <clears throat> most... Uh, of course, I've known Wade ever since he was a small boy, because mm-hmm. his dad, Jerry, uh, and I taught in the same district, so I, I knew his dad quite well. Uh, there wasn't that many breeders out there back then. We we pretty much came to, to Oklahoma and Texas at that time to find most of the lambs that mm-hmm. we had that we used that one and, and that did some good. Mm-hmm. So um, th- there were a few. Mr. Beatty was probably one of the, the better ones. The Bursons weren't in it yet to my – and uh, Dennis was just beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there wasn't no what, any club lamb raisers. Not a sales, lot. Yeah. Not, not, not that we went to that mm-hmm. I was aware of. Uh, but we, we did most of the lambs that we purchased was either in Oklahoma or Texas. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, I mean, the Texas influence has always been, been huge. Um, where, where were those places you came in Texas in those earlier days? Well, of course, you know, uh, even back then, the Millers oh, yeah. had a, a, a lot of good sheep. Uh, there was a lot of small breeders that, um, at the, at the time that had, had some really good sheep, uh, Jay, um, Winter. Winters had uh, and them had some not only you know the swine industry mm-hmm. thing, but they they were starting to have some and had some pretty good ones that we bought things from. We bought bucks from Jay for a couple of years after I moved back here. So what were his sheep like? I mean, a lot of people talk about you know, how they were just kind of on top of the world, but what was Jay doing that was making those sheep you know so competitive? Or what? What was he? That, how was he raising them? They were moderate with tremendous amount of muscle and shape mm-hmm. uh just kind of gorgeous i mean it's kind of like i don't remember exactly the bucks he had but it's kind of like he was ahead of the time yeah you know uh, and and there was some there were some others but uh we we pretty well bought most of our sheep from a gentleman by the name of otto levin here in in oklahoma mm-hmm. uh and one of his daughters is a fifer oh, okay raises the goats now, i got gotcha. so Anyway, you know, it stays in the blood. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And, and before when I got here, you were on the phone with, with Mike Nichols. And, yeah. And you said you, y'all have been friends for a while. 
Do you ever do any genetic sharing with him, or how long oh, yeah. have you guys been? Yeah, I mean, buddies? back when I was judging a lot in Texas, Mike's kids always did really well because he he pretty well figured out exactly what I wanted, and mm-hmm. and he would he would bring it. I think he had I don't know he had reserve at Houston or San Antonio or somewhere, and always did pretty well. But we've been friends ever since, and uh, so. I've bought a ram off him, and he's bought stuff off me, and we've shared bucks back and forth. And uh, just, you know, he's a little more my age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've been <laughs> on him for a, 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 a long time. And, and a lot of people who are breeding sheep today, there are a lot of uh, aggressive, bright, young mm-hmm. breeders that, you know, I'm not familiar with them. They don't necessarily know who I am. Mm-hmm. and uh, So... You know, uh, always close to Mike, and of course, the the dearest friend I've I've had through the whole time that I've been in sheep has been Joe Harrell, and oh, yeah. and we used to travel a lot together and share bucks together, and and uh, I miss him being out of it. Mm-hmm. Not that his grandson isn't good and can't handle it, but you know, it's different. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. Joe, Joe Harrell's name every almost every single sheep interview I've done. Yeah. You know, it, they always talk yeah. about Rally Cabinets <clears throat> and Joe Harrell and, right. and how just how that worked. I mean, yeah. did, you, did you kind of capitalize on those genetics being close? And yeah. well, yeah, I, uh, I I didn't do much of the cabinet side because they were strictly pretty strong hams, mm-hmm. and we were at the time we were called Double S Suffolks, and and we were really focusing on the on the Suffolk thing, and mm-hmm. at that time. Uh, Joe and I spent time trying to find a hemp buck to raise a few hemp's, but <laughs> it, uh, the thing about Joe was he's probably the, the most uh, or the best breeder of livestock and animals that I know. Mm-hmm. He, uh, not only did he do the sheep thing, he, he, he was as successful in raising cutting horses. He was successful in breeding and raising racing greyhounds. I mean, it didn't make any difference mm-hmm. what he did. He just had that breeding touch mm-hmm. that... Uh, it was amazing. I, I'll share a story. One time we were in uh, going to Raleigh Rosenblum mm-hmm. and going to buy a ram. And this is where you get, you want to be lucky instead of good. Mm-hmm. Well, we were up there and we find this buck and uh, Joe had already bought one from, from Raleigh. And on the way back, Joe said, you need to call back and buy that buck. And at the time that was $2,500. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. We went about another hundred miles. And he picked up, uh, pulled off the side of the road and gave me a quarter and kicked me out of the truck told me to call that guy and buy that buck. <laughs> so this was right before the old black and white, so I did that, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, so they're going to deliver this buck to the black and white. And at that time, I had a little Toyota with one of those flat campers. Mm-hmm. They delivered this buck, and, of course, this was a breeding sheep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had, big. Oh, we had to lay him down to tie his legs because oh I couldn't God. get him in the camper. Well, at that time... <laughs> The Boggs family helped me load him. Of course, by that time, they had told everybody in the barn about this deal. And, and golly, I was so embarrassed as a laughingstock of the whole deal until the lambs next year. And then we had, out of that mating, we that had the grand sense. at Louisville. So it worked that out worked. okay. But I owe Joe for that. Mm-hmm. So I got, it's not that I knew what I was doing. I was just, we just got lucky and he, he helped me a bunch. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Did you ever hang out with um, Steve Sturtz and David Garrett? Well, I, I know those guys real well. I, I bought a buck off David from time to time and, and uh, uh, know those guys real well. Probably know uh, David better than Steve. But, yeah, Steve, we n- knew each other. And, of course, he was involved in the in the sheep industry quite a bit uh, down there in the Brownwood area for mm-hmm. quite a while, too. So, Definitely. yeah. 
You said you come down to Brownwood. I do. Pretty often. Yeah, I do. I get down there occasionally, two or three times a year, just mainly go down and visit Mike. Yeah. and uh, see what he's got going on and there's from time to time we'll get together and ride around look at sheep down there just for sure kill time call me next time you're down there we'll go i get, need to do we'll that get some dinner yeah i didn't know you was in brownwood so yeah, yeah right there in the middle of it right well um i, I just kind of got a few more questions about about some of those guys you're around but what was it like i want to talk about Ritson a little bit okay. um so i mean you're, you're in the you're in the same state as him you, you kind of watched him grow up a little bit what was that like just watching those guys be successful or, or, or show against them, I guess, maybe? Well, when when I had uh, Ritson as a student, he was as competitive as anyone could ever be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for a while, uh, we were not – I left Fairview and moved back to Stillwater as executive secretary of the Oklahoma FFA. And then I got to watching – you know, Ritson, as those those boys got older, and it it was just unbelievable how consistently competitive they were. Mm-hmm. And we sold some few lambs to them and all those kind of things. But uh, I tell you, the thing that always amazed me about Ritson, uh, and this is just my view, uh, he was. He, he loved to win. He was competitive, but he was a very gracious loser. Mm-hmm. He, I, you know, a lot of people get beaten. You know, they won't say I, he was always telling everybody, "Hey, great job," mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, and uh, just uh, pretty well devastated when uh, he and his wife both uh, passed away in a very, very short, short period of time. Mm-hmm. But he was. If you go back through the ages, my ages, uh, I don't know anyone. There may be some guys today, maybe Ty or some of them are getting close, Chad, but uh, you knew when you went, you better have the A game because he was mm-hmm. going to be there with his A game. I think the way Tyson Rule described it was when he showed up, it was a different rendition of the best one you'd ever seen yeah. every time. Yeah, he just, uh, I, I don't know, he had a knack. He knew what he was doing. And, and of course, the thing about it is is he, he didn't take a day off. Mm-hmm. It was seven days a week, 24 hours. I mean, he worked it. Those kids worked it. Mm-hmm. He may have been uh, one of the first to master the obsession that is showing Yeah, Yeah, and, you know, getting those, uh, you know, the leg wraps and the treadmills, and I don't know who started all that stuff, but i tell you what, he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He was super competitive. And, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and you guys were family friends too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his boy uh, was here in Stillwater and and uh, had a little girl and they were uh, kind of just the two of them and it kind of seemed lost and so we just had them out here and they stayed out here and we kind of become kind of like grandparents yeah. to them uh, took them with us on vacation to to Wyoming and uh, I don't know just been a neat yeah. deal and I was always fond of Ritson and always felt, you know, it was a tragedy that he and his wife both passed so soon. And uh, it was just an opportunity to mm-hmm. kind of reflect back, and I think he enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you've got grandkids of your own. Oh, yeah. Correct? Yeah, I met, I met your son yesterday. Yeah, and right. So he, yeah, we've got one left. We've got one grandson that's a junior. Uh, and they... they they showed. I mean, we didn't fight it hard. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was gone a lot and not around a lot, and uh, 
but we did okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we didn't win any grand champions or any of that kind of stuff, but they've always been relatively competitive and mm-hmm. just try to do it with what we raised, and it made it tough there for a while when, when we weren't really raising what the right kind that people wanted. Yeah. But And, you're, I mean, we, we walked through all those U's and, and saw the Bucks, and, and your son was right there with us, and he sounded really excited about kind of the future, and, and, and he's, he's pretty involved, right? Oh, yeah. I, he, uh, he just... He'd been gone for a long time, and here about two or three years ago, he took the job at Pawnee teaching ag, and mm-hmm. then he's now up at Glencoe teaching. And so he's back here, and it, and it helps a lot because uh, I'm really getting to the point where I'd like for him to take over more of it. And uh, I think those we, we finally got the, the U flock relatively close to where we need to to have it mm-hmm. uh we haven't been able to sell a lot of quality females because we haven't had enough of them yet mm-hmm. and uh, then this new buck we bought we're really excited about and uh we just hope for the cross our fingers and hope for the best next spring i, I think you'll yeah. yeah i think it'll work out that buck was pretty impressive and yeah i, I think he's really good that's my kind just yeah just great built and he's still pretty thick i mean you said he was an <laughs> ff right yeah so let's talk yeah. about let's let's finish off and, and kind of talk about that where did where do you factor blood work like that into your program? Well, I well, I tell you, I, it, to me it's still a shot in the dark because I know we've got a test and OSU helped develop it. But uh, And I, I've been through some of those uh, seminars where you go through and you pick out, is this one DD, is this one, you know, and uh, I watched all of that. And, yeah, those, those sheep that are a little bitty and stiff and straight and all that stuff, yeah, you can guess they're DD, but I'm telling you what, you can have some – moderate sheep BFF and you can have some big sheep BFD mm-hmm. it, it's just all over the place uh, my sense in just listening to these people who really pay a lot of attention to it is that it, it to me it's a lot like the spider used to be and and we had that uh, both Joe Harrell and I didn't know what it was mm-hmm. we didn't you know you used to have to just buy a good animal you didn't have to worry about the alphabet mm-hmm. well then the spider <laughs> the, the spider the spider came along and and then later on, you got to worry about whether they're QQ, and now we're worrying about if, you know, it's just like the alphabet's taken over. But uh, I guess I, I look at this a little bit like the spider thing. There was a time that if, if you didn't have a shot of that in there, they weren't hard enough. They, they weren't hard enough, they weren't upfronted enough. Uh, and I think that's where we're at today. And of course, some of these, these guys who are breeders that, that really have lots of numbers. Uh, it, it looks and sounds to me that you, you kind of need a D in there mm-hmm. to, to really have enough muscle that some of these FFs get way out there and too big. But I don't know that. It's just kind of what I'm listening to yeah. and hearing. And uh, we were fortunate in this buck that we bought being FF, and he's still pretty massive mm-hmm. for an FF sheep. So we'll see. For sure. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, thanks for taking some oh, time my out pleasure. Day, yeah, very nice to meet you. Nice and, to meet you, too. Yeah. Well, that was Larry Shell, and if you've listened to a bunch of my episodes, especially the sheep ones, you're um, you're probably about uh, you're hearing about the same people kind of over and over again. You know, those really influential people who who taught those guys a lot of them when they were young, and you know, I think it's pretty cool how small of a world it is, and especially around these guys who who have been here a while. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll be in San Angelo, Texas, at the Labor Day goat sales this weekend, and I'll have a handful of goat guys for you to listen to next week. But I will see you next Monday. Thank you very much.